Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 428. And we're recording live on August the 21st. Uh, Abriana, how is Hotlanta? Hot. It's good, though. Um, you know, so yesterday I started, um, I rode my bike to work. <laughs> it was like really fun. I felt like really good about myself and didn't get hit by car, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but it was hot. So thankfully we have like showers and um, a weight room here. Uh, <laughs> so it was like, thank goodness for that. But it is super hot. It's been like in the 90s and, you know, the humidity here is just like a wet blanket. So. Yeah, it's been the same here. I think I think we've pretty much been in the 90s all all week too. So, yeah, it's crazy. Humidity in Toronto is, is not fun in the summer. Um, we had a little bit of rain last night, so it took some of the humidity out. But uh, I think it's just going to be a nice sunny, hot weekend. So, <laughs> anyhow, all right. So we've got a pretty simple show for you this week. Three industry news stories, three member news stories. Uh, a bunch of announcements and things in there. Um, so we'll just kick it right off. Over to you. Uh, well, my first announcement is that InMarket has acquired ThinkNear. Uh, this is really interesting to me. You know, they, uh, the location-based marketing firm um, InMarket um, acquired ThinkNear, who is a rival to them or has been in the past. Um, and so like both in the geotargeting industry um, and now, obviously, um, in markets, clients will be able to use all of ThinkNear's, you know, platforms and have access to those things. Some of them include, um, let's see, uh, Geotype, which is uh, supposed to help clients reach mobile audiences based on their location and demographics, and then one called GeoLink, which is like a self-service uh, location-based mobile ad platform that they have. So both of those will be rolled up into InMarket. Um, as part of the deal, you know, ThinkNear's parent company, Telenav, is going to have a minority stake in, um, in market as well, which is pretty interesting. Um, so in market will actually own the intellectual property, though. So they'll be taking all of that over. Um, the employees are going to join the merged company. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, we think of Telenav as like the connected cars now. So they were doing a lot. Uh, I think they, they said that they have. Um, connected car and location-based services with 24.2 million cars, um, which is a lot. And they plan on, you know, rolling um, in the in-market, you know, stuff for the car targeting and, you know, advertising on the go that they're going to be doing there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is really interesting. You know, the there's been a lot of, like, acquisitions we saw, um, you know, Snap get, you know, sell place to Foursquare. And we're kind of seeing a lot of consolidation here. Um, which is really interesting, but the industry is still, you know, booming in terms of like projections for revenue. So, um, in 2017, it was 8.35 billion, um, that was like spent on location analytics services and it's projected to be 15 billion by 2023. So the industry is still growing. Um, still lots of opportunity, I'm sure for, you know, companies that are not merging or getting acquired, but um, it's interesting to see, you know, these types of acquisitions and, you know, it probably makes sense. Like if you, you know, if you're doing the same thing and, and you can just like merge and offer more services and do it better and stronger and obviously get all the clients as well. 
sounds like a good strategy to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think this is a good move for, uh, for in market and for think near. I, I think that, um, you know, if I, if I wind the clock back a few years, uh, kind of looking at, you know, sort of our industry and kind of how it's evolved over time, you know, there, at one point in time, there was sort of the, you know, the big three in, in that space, right. Of think near verb and, and at that time, exat, um, you know, and, um, you know, all of them, you know, as the market was getting established, spent a lot of money on kind of marketing and advertising and brand awareness and, and trying to, you know, really outperform each other. And then, you know, um, when uh, Ellie uh, Portnoy uh, kind of uh, exited out of Thinknear and, and, and they sold the company to Telnav, all of a sudden it was an interesting one because where the other two really continue to focus on kind of building their brand and their awareness, et cetera, you know, rebranding the ground truth and all of that. Think near sort of, uh, as it became part of the Telnav ecosystem really, you know, sort of faded from, you know, that aspect of, of the industry. Like they weren't out at conferences in the same way. They weren't sponsoring a lot of events. They became more of a, you know, Telnav company, which is, you know, a technology first company as opposed to a marketing, you know, brand, first company um and so you know while they were still very strong they were still servicing their clients and still you know i think growing you know at a, at a much slower rate um you, you know they they really you know sort of entrenched themselves in that sort of in that tech you know first approach um you know of course ellie went off and did sense 360 and so on um but um you know, I think this is a good move. I think, you know, as you said, I think the consolidation is happening now with some of these bigger players in the industry. I think um, while there's some overlap between InMarket and ThinkNear, I think there's a lot of complementary pieces as well. So obviously InMarket was very focused on, you know, the SDK embedded in the app, um, you know, working with a lot of CPGs in grocery and, and mass merch, um, you know, and, and think near like the other guys I mentioned, you know, was very focused on sort of that geo-targeted advertising and attribution piece. So, uh, you know, with the geofencing aspect and so on. So I think bringing those things together uh, makes a ton of sense. And what I really like about this story is that is the last part you mentioned, which is Telnav is, say, is staying in with a minority stake and, 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 you know, kind of bringing their whole connected car piece to what these guys already do. So I think that's huge. As you know, we, we talk a lot about kind of where our industry is going and connected car for us is a big part of that. So, you know, I think this sets up well for, for success for, for everybody in that, in that group. So I like it. All right, on to our second story. Uh, Google Assistant uh, now is going to let you send reminders to people in your network. Um, so, you know, if you've ever used Google Assistant, you know, you can kind of set reminders for yourself and, you know, kind of, I got to, you know, change the batteries in my, uh, you know, smoke detector. I got to do, you know, pick up this at the grocery store, whatever. Now you can do that for other people. You can assign uh, reminders to other people who are part of your Google Nest uh, network or, or, you know, on the same, um, you know, group with you. So, you know, you're, you're living at college with a bunch of roommates, you can remind them they have chores to do, you know, your, uh, you know, you got, uh, you know, your family unit, your spouse, your kids, your whatever, you can assign them things to do. Um, you know, like this takes that the whole sort of honey do list to another level for me, um, you know, because, it, you know, it, it's, 
it's one thing to have the, the, the piece of paper with the list on the fridge or whatever. It's another thing to be getting, you know, kind of digital notifications saying, Hey, you know, you haven't done that yet, or you got to get that done or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I, I um, I'm kind of 50, 50 on this. I think it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where, um, it's probably quite useful and at the same time you know i could see it's got potential for being annoying as well so um well uh, i don't know i don't have a lot more to say about it other than um in the story that uh, that i picked up on this um so there's another uh, company that uses this in a very great way uh called lifepod um and they're not obviously doing this with google it wasn't available at the time they had to build their own uh, uh platform on top of iHome and so this was designed for uh, caregivers for you know uh, elderly people living in, in, in nursing homes and, and, and you know those types of environments where they need reminders to take their pills or their doctor's appointments or you know th all those kinds of things and that to me makes a ton of sense um, so you know if you can find those kinds of use cases where there's real you know utility in it I think uh, we need this and, and Google's a bit ahead in terms of the major platforms here Siri and, and, and the others don't yet have this kind of capability of assigning uh, reminders so uh, if you're on the Google platform and you have people in your network try it out let us know what you think yeah I think wives are gonna be all over this um, you know Jen's probably like Steve take the trash out you know mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I know because uh, that's like me you know like pulling out of the house, you know, like on Thursday mornings and I'm like, Oh, it's trash day. I got to like remind Jerome or whatever. But, um, you know, I think, I think this is interesting. I also think it could have the potential to get annoying as well, but you know, I think that, um, just like you allow, you know, Alexa, for example, to be able to like have people drop in on you or not or whatever you want, then I'm assuming that there's limitations you can put you know, all the college kids are like not accepting notifications from their moms, you know, to remind them to like do their laundry or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I like that. It, it's nice to have like somebody else annoying you rather than your wife annoying you. So if it's, you know, another voice, maybe it's better. <laughs> yeah. Reduce the, uh, the, the, the in-house conflict. Yes. By yes. Third party. Yeah, like I, you know, just take take my nagging down like ten percent. Thanks, Google. <laughs> right. um, so this next story is like a weird one. It's kind of uh, just a quick little fun story. But um, Crack and Rum did this pop up in London, where they did. Um, it's called Dine Inside the Storm, and so they are recreating a storm. So you go uh, like through the storm. There's like real rainfall and. Um, you know, like thunder and lightning and winds and, you know, everything. And then they put a restaurant right in the middle, like where it's the eye of the storm and it's like, I guess, calm. Um, so you get wet and, you know, all of this, and then you get to go uh, dine and have this meal. So there's like a thousand liters of rain falling every minute from the ceiling. Um, and it says they did provide waterproof max. I don't know. But anyways, uh, and then it calms down when you get to the eye of the storm and then they have this meal. So all the meal, the menu is like an all black seafood menu, different pastas and dishes and, you know, squid ink and all of these different things and crack and black ice cream. Um, and then obviously lots of crack and, you know, rum, rum cocktails um, are, are there. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's memorable. I don't know that I really like want to go out to eat and 
get wet and like, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of weird to me. You know, I like, I like these experiential things and I guess that's what they're going for. So I think that part's cool. But at the same time, it's like, what's the purpose of this? Are they going to sell more rum because of it? Or is it just more about, you know, is it just a talking factor? Cause here we are talking about it, but you know, it's fun. I think that, um, it probably was like, maybe it was good for, you know, some social media exposure and people talking about it. But beyond that, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, you know, like whenever we talk about these kinds of things, for, for me here, the the opportunity is really, um, you know, if you're already a fan uh, consumer of Kraken Rum, um, you know, and, and, and you like that brand, this is a great experience, right? Like, and, and I think, so if you're in London and, and you can go to this thing, I, I think this is, it's a fun, interesting thing, you know, for people who are familiar with the brand. If you're not familiar with the brand, then, you know, maybe, maybe they draw a little bit of brand awareness. Maybe they get some social media attention. Maybe you just like, you know, uh, sushi and, and, you know, black uh, seafood and North Lakes. <laughs> or something. And so you go for that. I don't know. Um, what I do know is, is that I, I think for, uh, from a value perspective that like, this is a great deal. It's, it's like 25 pounds. You go yeah. in, you can, that's your, you, for 25 pounds, you get your ticket. You get a waterproof Macintosh, like a jacket to wear in the rain. You get uh, dinner, uh, a show, and four, four cocktails. Like, I mean, where else can you get that? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, from that point of view, I think it's great, right? And, and you can get that whole experience and kind of, you know, understand a little bit about what that brand's like. And maybe it's the first time you've had it and you sample it and, and, and you know, you get some following from that, you know. So... I think it's cool. I think it's fun. You know, uh, I think what would be what's missing for me is while we're talking about it and probably other people are talking about it, like the people who go there, is there like some setup around, you know, creating content, sharing that back to their social media channels, you know, hashtags, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Cause I didn't see that in the story. I, I'm assuming that they have that because like it's an experience and you should be able to sort of have that experience live on. So um hopefully that's there but check it out if you're in london yeah i mean it seems like they could have like partnered with a liquor store or you know partnered up with like um you know like be part of our like monthly cocktail subscription you know so yeah, yeah. we don't send you the alcohol but we send you all the mixers you know like stuff you know yep. but something that's like more recurring than just one pop-up and one fun experience but yeah great idea yeah there Thanks. you go <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's our three industry news stories for this week we shift over to our members now um so our first story this week i, I get to talk about a company called wirecard or uh which is uh one of our great members out of the uh the german operations uh and as many of you know karsten who heads that up is actually here in toronto uh, for the next number of months and so i was chatting with him about this um and uh Basically, what they're doing is they're they're really making a push now into North America as well. So they've taken their mobile app, uh, they have a brand new mobile app for for the North American market. Um, so it's about tracking balances and and mobile payments and uh, and and loyalty. Um, 
Uh, so they have a co-branding piece around that uh, that they can do with certain clients. Uh, they have some pretty major brands on board already in North America. Mary Kay, Liberty Mutual, WestJet, uh, Isuzu Trucks uh, are all kind of using this platform. Uh, so they're really kind of making this push. It, it's available in both iOS and Android. Um, so, um, you know, like if you're used to using things like, you know, the Amex app or, you know, other types of uh, payment apps like that, um, you know, this is one of the major players in, in Europe um, now pushing in North America and, and having some success. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where um, these guys have been super active with the LBMA in, in, in Germany, in Europe with us uh, at our events and our conferences. Love to see these guys at Retail Loco in October, um, you know, that sort of whole aspect of, of proximity-based payments and loyalty and all that is, is definitely a topic that, uh, that we like to cover. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, like we'll have to watch and see how it plays out, but uh, you know, very, it's always interesting when you see a strong company, strong player from one market, making, making, uh, you know, move into another. So uh, we'll see and, and watch uh, with anticipation to see what Wirecard does. Yeah, I'd love to hear more from them, like what led them to decide to kind of make this move? And, you know, is there like a special niche or need in the market that they were seeing that, you know, made them make this decision? Um, seems like there's like, you know, it's a light story, like we don't really know all the details, but I would definitely love to hear more. It's not, it's not every day you hear about somebody new getting into like the mobile payment space. So, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like, you know, what's funny is I think about maybe seven years ago or so, like when we first met um, at some of those conferences, like ramp up, like everybody was doing uh, mobile payments and mobile wallets. And it was like, none of them had really had like adoption or traction yet, but everybody was doing that. And like how the, you know, the landscape has just changed so completely. It was actually funny um, when we moved offices, like a couple of months ago, I was going through some old paperwork and just getting rid of a bunch of junk. And I found one that was, um, I don't know if you remember this company called, it was called ISIS. I mean, I'm sure they had to do some serious yes. rebranding, <laughs> but you were like, what, what was going on? Like at that point in time, you know, it was not even, but it just made me have a laugh. Like, wow, things have changed so much, you know? And well, yeah, uh, at that time you had all those kind of, uh, retail consortium plays, right. That were, you know, Walmart and, and, and all those guys were trying to come up with their own wallets and, you know, that, you know, just, yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, there was a lot going on. Yeah. But, you know, certainly uh, rebranding and then ultimately that, that got shut down. It became, I think that ISIS became MCX, right. Um, yeah. And then ultimately I think they shut it down completely. So anyways, all right, well, let's go over to talk about some sneaker stuff. Uh, this story to me is like the most interesting story, uh, I think, this week. But like, at least for me, Nike has bought a data science company. I mean, this is really, it's like really starting, it's getting real for like brands that are just getting all into this data science and, you know, data acquisition and all this stuff right now. Um, and they've acquired this company called Select, that's Select with a C and not an S. Um, so it's a Boston-based company, and it's a retail predictive analytics and demand sensing firm. Um, so basically, you know, telling you like what to expect from a customer, like connecting the right, you know, the right consumer with the right media um, at the right time, you know, in the right location, all of those different things. Mm -hmm. um, so pretty cool. So Nike obviously is like interested in boosting their strategy of, um, you know, serving, serving consumers like, you know, good media and at, at a global scale. 
but um, Select has an intellectual property portfolio across data science and software engineering. Um, so it's a cloud-based analytics platform. They'll work this in obviously at some of the, you know, all the different Nike um, things. So they have these proprietary insights. They allow retailers to optimize inventory, um, which is obviously very important because you don't have like, you know, six months to go build another shoe. You need to kind of be able to predict how well shoes are going to sell or how well, you know, certain SKUs are going to sell and how many do you need and all of those things, um, even like at a, you know, more scale level, not even just like the hyper local marketing and serving that medium. Um, so it helps with like the demand predictions. Um, so I think this is interesting because, you know, Nike has off, off, opted to build uh, buy versus build. Um, we've been seeing like a lot of, you know, a lot of the conversations I've been having with bigger brands have been about how they're bringing this data and these, you know, data scientists, they have them all in house, they're building their own stuff, you know, they're not necessarily interested in using somebody else's platform as much as they are in using other people's data and building it themselves. So you know, rather than building it themselves, Nike just said, hey, this works, it's good, like, let's buy it, bring it in-house. So, Select's team's gonna be integrated into Nike's um, uh, global ops team, and then the co-founders are going to consult, and they're actually professors at MIT, so that's pretty cool <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting, you know, this is an interesting move. It's not really surprising, like, based on the trends that we've been seeing, though, with, like, bigger brands kind of doing things themselves and deciding like, hey, you know, one, I think it shows that how important it is and how invested brands are in, um, you know, the technology piece that drives consumers and why consumers are making those decisions. Mm -hmm. But it definitely, um, you know, is it's a shift in the way that things have been done for a while. So um, I expect to see more of this in the future. Yeah, no, I think this is uh, this is brilliant for for Nike. I mean, I think that to your point, I think when we look at data science and when it comes to retailers or brands or any any company really, um, you know, it, it's probably the the biggest gap in most organizations today, and it's 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 one of the hardest things to fill because there's just uh, you know, a, a huge demand for data science. And yet, you know, there's not really a lot of highly qualified people uh, that can fill that. Um, and I think every company is trying to figure that out. As you said, I think a lot of companies are, are trying to say, you know, we need this in-house. We, you know, we need to, you know, sort of build this capability in-house because they want to control their data and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's fascinating to me that they go out, in this case with Nike, and, and buy a company um, but, but at the same time, you know, if somebody's figured out the model, they've got, you know, proprietary technology, uh, you know, and, and patents and things around it, then, uh, why not? Right. I mean, uh, um, you know, and, and if these guys are at MIT and they're teaching there and, and they're at the forefront of what's going on all the time, and you still have that ability to kind of constantly stay current and, and moving ahead, um, then, then, then I think this is really, really smart. And, and um, you know, I, I think especially when it comes to a brand like like a sneaker brand like Nike, it, it's, you know, knowing and being able to predict what the trends are, where, you know, what consumer demand looks like, you know, what's coming up, uh, you know, in terms of sports and other things, um, you know, is something that's really important. So so if they, if they can kind of stay on top of that by crunching all this data and figuring that out, um, then, you know, why not have that in-house, you know, and, and if, if you can go in and buy one of the best companies out there to do it, then it makes sense to me. So I like it. I think this is a, a strong move. So cool. All right. Our final story this week. Uh, so uh, JC Deco uh, 
and Infinity, the car company, uh, have teamed up uh, to do a very interesting out of digital out of home campaign in Russia. So they they're working with a company called Russ Outdoor. It's R U S S. They're uh, an outdoor advertising company in Russia, um, and uh, together they're delivering a, a digital out of home campaign that responds directly to commuters' cars, uh, like the brand of car that commuters are driving. So basically, using cameras. Uh, that are sitting above the digital uh, signage displays. They identify the particular car brand that the, that the com commuter that is driving. And then they show different advertisements based on what, what car that, that person is driving at that time. Um, so depending on where you are, you might get, you know, uh, an ad for a certain kind of infinity, you know, an SUV versus a sedan, you know, and so on. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I, think, I think this is really interesting. We've seen a couple of these types of campaigns before, but being able to deliver dynamic content on the fly, on a route, you know, while people are driving, based on what they're driving, I think is really, really cool and interesting. Um, the other thing that, that, that's really neat about it is it's not just, okay, you know, here's the car they're driving, so we're gonna show them this ad. Because they know that uh, commuters uh, usually travel the same route you know, to get to work or get home or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, they also have the ability to detect that if it's a certain car uh, that's seen that ad five times already, then they, they change the content. So, um, so they can actually tell, like, I guess, some way that they're storing, you know, uh, the frequency of, of that particular vehicle. Um, and then, you know, once they feel like the, the threshold they've set is five, you've hit that, then, you know, they're not going to show you that ad again because that's probably the number that they've decided is, is you've seen that one enough and we're going to show you something else. So I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, and I love these kinds of, uh, out of home dynamic content, uh, uh you know, um, advertising displays. So really cool. Yeah, I like these type of these type of stories too. I think it's cool when they um, it just shows that they put in more effort and and it also gives them the flexibility to tailor something. You know, like this person's driving an SUV, let's show them a different SUV. You know, um, and I think that that's really cool. And I'd love to see them even um, overlay like different um, other data sets, like the demographics of the commuters, or you know, try to understand like where those people come from for retargeting purposes. But I think this is great and. Um, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen some really cool stories, um, you know, about about these types of things or like things changing based on the weather or, you know, different cocktails based upon the time of day. So um, this kind of falls in line with, with those cool uh, digital out-of-home stories that we're seeing that have been on trend. So, and Infinity in Russia, I mean, that was kind of surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I guess, the you know, Lada's kind of dead now, right? So, you know, they're, they're shifting to... Uh, you know, to, to all these guys. Anyways, um, yeah, so that's our show. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, a lot of wide-ranging stuff there from payments to out-of-home to, um, you know, just sending reminders for your spouse. Um, and, uh, yeah, so um, you've been listening to episode number 428 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, as always, if you have uh, story ideas, suggestions, criticism, feedback, uh, please reach out to us and uh, let us know. Um, we're easily found on all the social media platforms. If you're watching the video uh, version of this podcast, the contact information is at the end of the show. And uh, thank you for listening and watching, and we'll be back next week with yet another show. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.